Now notice the language I'm using. Colon, kidney, and skin are elimination organs. Mm -hmm. The liver and the kidney. So the kidney is a two for one special. The liver and the kidney are detoxification organs. So they take toxins and put them in forms to be eliminated. A good detoxification program reduces garbage in, optimizes the two detoxification organs, liver and kidney, and optimizes the three elimination pathways. Now you can imagine if you're not doing all of those things, which happen to be one, two, three, right? If, if you don't do all those things, you're going to get traffic jams, if you will. Like if you do everything to support the liver, but you don't, if you're not going to the bathroom, um, pooping, well, then you have a traffic jam. Right. If you do everything to support your kidney, but you don't drink enough water, how will you pee it out? So you must comp, you always have to make sure your elimination holes, if you will, are working well so that when you start revving up your detoxification organs, there's an appropriate pathway for them to be removed from your body. Welcome to Your Body's Way, a podcast for all of you health conscious humans out there who want to nourish, move and take care of your body your way. Not the diet book's way or even my way. Your journey to find your body's way through all of the noise and nonsense starts right here, where I'll be presenting and breaking down all of the current popular health practices so you can make intelligent choices that work for you and you alone. You know what they say, if the shoe fits, so I encourage you to take on what sounds tempting and to reject what doesn't. So let's dive into your journey to becoming the person you know you can be. Hi there, this is Tamara Walpole and you're listening to Your Body's Way. I'm really excited to be chatting to someone who I've admired for quite some time. As a functional medicine student, I'm studying with the Institute of Functional Medicine and um, one of my favourite, favourite lecturers is Dr. Shilpa Saxena and I was absolutely thrilled when she agreed to do a podcast episode with me because her knowledge is so beyond um, what I've experienced before and the way that she teaches is just so so easy to understand and um, just really really interesting like she has a way of teaching that um, really inspires and uh, really helps the information sink in so I'm really glad that she's on the episode today talking about weight gain and how it's related to toxins. So when we think about weight gain, we think about losing weight through cutting calories and through doing more exercise and watching your carbs. And, you know, that's all fair, but um, there's a big piece of the puzzle missing and that is toxins. So we're surrounded by toxins. We eat toxins. We put toxins on our skin. We use toxins in our house. And 
certain toxins actually make their way into into your body and they store themselves in your body. Your body has no idea what to do with them. So what it tends to do is it tends to house the toxins within your fat stores. So we dig into all of that in this episode. So if you're looking to lose some weight and you're finding it's really difficult or you're caught in a yo-yo dieting cycle, then you might find this episode really, really interesting. And this one could be for you. It could be really providing all of the answers that you need. Dr. Shilpa Saxena, she is the medical director at Forum Health in Florida. She's an expert in lifestyle medicine. And obviously, as I said, a speaker for the renowned Institute of Functional Medicine. She is one of my favorite people. So um, without further ado, Please welcome Dr. Shilpa Saxena. So Dr. Shilpa Saxena, I want everyone to meet you and to um, hear from you because I have been, I've, I've just been telling you that I'm an, you know, a bit of a fan actually of the way that you teach and the way that you present. Um, I'm an IFM student, so I study, function, I study functional medicine and you are a, a lecturer for the cardiometabolic module. Is it just that module that you lecture for or do you do others? I speak um, mainly for the cardio uh, metabolic module. I lead that module. And then I also do some presentations for AFMCP, which is the Applying Functional Medicine in Clinical Practice. Yeah, there's an assortment of providers that speak on that. Yeah, oh, lovely. Um, So basically, I'm so glad that you said yes to this interview because I just want everybody to benefit like I have from your teaching skills because you have this ability to take... um, something that's complex like a complex topic and you're able to break it down into really simplistic kind of layman terms so I feel like my audience would benefit so much from that and um, I'm so excited to dig into today's um, topic which is um, weight gain obesity uh, as it relates to toxins because let's face it when people think about weight gain and when people think about how to lose weight and how to get into shape, they don't think about toxins. We think about calories, we think about carbohydrates, we think about exercise, but we completely gloss over the idea of toxins. And But it's such a huge piece of the puzzle. So that's basically what I wanted to cover today. But first of all, just so that my audience get to know you, um, how did you get into functional medicine? Because you have quite an interesting story with your own health and how you reversed your own diseases, like your own uh, uh, well uh, illnesses. Yes, yes. Thank you so much, Tam, for having me. I'm excited to be able to share some of the things that have been passed on to me from my teachers. So yeah, I went into medicine like a good Indian girl, you know, thinking that I was going to learn and master the science of healing. And very quickly out of residency, I realized that a lot of what I do was prescription management and procedure recommendations. And I thought, well, I don't know if I'm actually healing. Now, in this process, I was a patient of my own, but for cultural reasons, I didn't generally go to the doctor. Like in our family, like there are different kinds of families, but we have to be near death to go visit a doctor. That was just the culture of my family. Other people, you know, I've noticed if you sneeze the wrong way, you're at the doctor's office. So my family was the opposite, but I was still very mindful that I was an allergic kid. I was diagnosed with asthma. I fainted 11 times in my life. Um, which was called vasovagal syncope. 
at the time I had a neurological workup at age 16, a cardiac workup. And they said, oh, you're fine. Again, always like, well, there's nothing wrong with you. And I'm, in my mind, I'm like, but there kind of is. But okay, if you tell me I don't have anything. And, you know, I was put on every now and then like an asthma medication or um, really nothing for the syncope. Uh, and then uh, I was diagnosed with PCOS, which is a form of insulin resistance that affects the ovaries. And again, this runs in my family, diabetes does. So I thought, okay, well, these are my genes showing up. And I was under the myth that a majority of what I was dealing with was just because it ran in my genes. I had really no concept that the choices that I was making day to day were affecting my health. Even though I followed the party line that diet and exercise are good for you, I never really understood the degree in yes. which you can personalize that. Yep. So at some point, um, Three years after working out in the real world, I decided I was going to start my own practice because I'm a firstborn female idealist and I decided I'm going to do it. And I really wanted to be able to work with patients and partner with them in what I would think is healing. So I was going to focus on prevention. Well, these patients started telling me about all these supplements they were taking. And I was like, I have no idea what this is. We were never trained in these things. So I started taking courses and that's when this whole world of functional medicine opened up. And of course, the first patient that many of us start to um, use functional medicine on is ourselves. So I started going gluten-free and doing detox mm -hmm. and all of a sudden I had a regular menses after 20 years of not having regularity. And for me, scientifically, I'm like, well, if I'm having regular periods, that must be a really good sign because that's part of a healthy woman's physiology. And then it just exploded. I became a sponge for this because all of a sudden I was actually healing people. I was getting people back to what I call original design. So that was kind of my, my journey into functional medicine. Thank goodness for patients feeling comfortable to tell me about what they were really doing because right. that started the inquiry into something that probably intuitively was what I was wanting to yes. do. I just didn't know what to call it at that time. I can imagine patients were confused when they'd come to see you, you know, they'd be like, oh, you know, I'm coming for my prescription, I'm coming for my drugs. And you'd be like, well, actually, um, do you exercise and do you eat, you know, what's your diet like, which is what people don't expect when they go to see their doctor. <laughs> like, well, either they love it or they don't, because right. there's definitely a group of people that became tired of me asking about lifestyle. And I explained to them, you know, that's fine. I'm probably not the doctor for you. If you mm -hmm. prefer prescriptions and procedures, many of my colleagues out there would be better suited for you, but I'm going to continue to give you choices that would help you reduce this need. Yeah. So I kind of invited them to leave in a respectful way. Right. So they're matched with an appropriate ideology. Perfect. And um, do you know what? Because changing your lifestyle to become healthier and to reverse out of disease and you know to prevent disease it's hard work like it's not easy it, it requires um discipline it requires um you know you've got to have you've got to be determined you've got to remind yourself every day that this is what you're doing and it's not an easy task and especially when it comes to weight gain especially when it comes oh my gosh like obesity and being overweight is such it's, it's an absolute you know we've heard this all before it's an epidemic and um, it's not getting any better so it, it's obviously hard for people to 
you know, lose weight and to stay in shape. But like I said before, it's not just about calories or about the food that you eat or how much exercise you're doing. Um, toxins play a huge, huge role in this. So can you kind of um, kick us off, first of all, about um, how... Let's let's actually start with calories in, calories out, because that's what people have a problem with. Like that's what they usually think they need to do to lose weight. Um, but what is the problem with just losing weight by just reducing what you're eating, just by eating carrots instead of like a proper meals? And what's the problem there with regards to toxins? Like what actually happens to toxins when you just lose weight and you know, what happens there? Yeah. So, you know, I would say if we could flash back 100, 150 years, calories in, calories out might have worked much better than it does now. So if you go back 150 years, food industry was quite different. So see, calories in, calories out is a quantity, right? It's a math <laughs> equation. Mm -hmm. Like how many calories did I take in? How many did I burn? And then did I net have more in or less in? And that determines if I gained weight or lost weight. Mm -hmm. But the assumption is that the calories were number one, quality calories, which 150 right. years ago, food was more food. Yeah. Today, food is more like food-like substances. That's what Dr. Mark Hyman sometimes calls it, right? So Back then, the assumption was fair, like many things were organic because all this other food industry hadn't come in. The other assumption is that you were eating it at normal times and normal intervals, right? So timing and quality were assumptions that were okay 150 years ago when calories in, calories out made sense. The other thing is, what's the company these calories keep? Like, are you sleeping at two o'clock in the morning or are you sleeping at an appropriate bedtime? How stressed are you? Um, what amount of physical activity do you have going on? You just imagine somebody 150 years ago, they had a lot more what we call NEAT, non-exercise activity thermogenesis, which said in plain words is just like regular daily activity, taking the stairs, having to go walk to the market to get your vegetables, um, you know, just walking the stairs in your house up and down, up and down, squatting, if that's the way your culture goes to the bathroom, there was a lot more neat. So calories in, calories out worked back in the day because all those other factors were taken care of. Yeah. So now today, flash forward, the quality of the calories are very different. There are many toxins. If we talk about toxins, one of the biggest toxins is those that's within our food supply. Right. And not only with our, like, you know, just the chemical ingredients that might be on your cracker box ingredients, but then also if you think about our produce, pesticides and things that are in the water are also get entering into our system, whether we do it by choice, by putting it in our mouth, or perhaps it's just in the air that we breathe. So these toxins, many of the ones that persist, meaning they stay in your body for long periods of time, they're what we call fat soluble toxins. So they dissolve in fat. They don't dissolve in water where you can easily pee it out if you have a good kidney or easily sweat it out if you're a good sweater, assuming you have physical activity. Generally, fat soluble toxins require a healthy liver. And that liver, if you know, doesn't have a hole to the outside, the liver has to take a fat soluble toxin and make it water soluble. And most of the time it'll send it to the colon to poop out. 
That's our hole to the outside to get a garbage, fat-soluble toxin garbage out. But as you may also know, Tam, constipation, um, functional constipation, meaning not having a healthy toothpaste consistency bowel movement one to three times a day that's complete and spontaneous, that is also vastly um, missing in today's society. So you've got this cluster of factors that is leading to our obesity epidemic. Right. Um, there was this amazing slide that you had on one of your presentations with um, when it comes to calories in, calories out and the, and the toxic buildup in your body. So if you have um, toxins in your body, like you said, um, you know, fat soluble ones, the ones that aren't easily excreted, um, then if you are to lose weight, you don't exactly lose those toxins in your weight. Um, you actually keep those toxins. So what happens is, is when you, um, you know, because those fat soluble toxins are housed in your fat cells. So when you lose body fat, where do they go? Like what, where do they have to go and where do they have to go? Shilpa? Yeah. So that's a very good point. So maybe people who do the calorie in calorie out will lose a certain amount of weight in the beginning, but then they plateau. Mm -hmm. And the reason why is, is because when that fat is quote unquote burned, the toxins that were hiding in that fat, and actually I wouldn't even say hiding in the fat. I would say the fat was sequestering those toxins, protecting you from those toxins, mm -hmm. right? That's sometimes one of the reasons why the body holds on to fat because it's got to protect you from these persistent toxins. But when you lose that fat, now these toxins are mobile. And when they're mobile, if you've done your job and supported the liver, then what would happen is the liver would metabolize these fat soluble toxins and send it to the colon. But let's say your liver isn't supported with the right nutrients or supplements or uh, just lifestyle. Well, then these toxins persist in your body. And over time, your body is going to say, well, these boogers aren't leaving here. So we need to get some fat here. And all of a sudden, you'll see, see people gain weight back or they just plateau because their body will not let go of more fat because the toxic load in the body is too detrimental. So your body, I want you to know, is actually trying to do right by you yes. when it's trying to hold on to fat because it's saying, I need to protect you from these toxins that you haven't gotten rid of. So that kind of explains why someone might find themselves yo-yo dieting. So just say they lose weight and then they find that it comes on way too easily and then they lose weight and it comes on way too easily. Um, a lot of people struggle with that. Like that's a common struggle that people have, but then also, um, you know, there are other places in our body that are, you know, that have, that are made of fat. Like, so for example, our nervous system, our brain, our hormones, like, um, they are fatty. And so toxins can get into those areas and but then obviously it can cause, you know, all sorts of havoc within your body. Um, yes. And that just compounds the issue, Tam. So let's say these toxins, after you've lost a certain amount of fat are circulating in the body. I call that retoxing because they were first, yes. they were first within the fat. Now they're on the loose, okay? These are like teenagers on the run at night, not a good situation. So then they can hide out in your brain because 70% of the dry weight of your brain is fat. So when they hide out in your brain, that can cause brain symptoms that can vary from mood disturbances, mm. like depression, anxiety. But the most common one as it relates to 
obesity and weight um, weight loss resistance is cravings. Right. Okay. Because your pleasure center is in your brain. And if you now have these toxins mucking with your pleasure center and causing mood disturbances, well, it's not very uncommon that people will go to food to satiate their cravings or their mood issues. So that's one of the ways that toxins, when they retox, will cause brain symptoms that then compound the weight loss resistance. Those toxins can also attach to hormones. Hormones are made from a cholesterol backbone. So cholesterol being a fat, those toxins can kind of tie right into that hormone. And then they can cause wacky hormone symptoms, which can be also mood, hot flashes, you know, um, GYN issues, menstrual irregularities. And it's really hard to persist with diet and exercise when those things are going on. So again, another saboteur um, of your weight loss resistance. And then the one other thing that I think happens with your hormones and your brain being off is it'll create a stress response, whether it's physical or psychological, you're looking at the scale and you're thinking, what the heck I am eating raw celery and cucumbers and I'm hard and I'm exercising. Why aren't I losing weight? So now your adrenal is brought into the equation and your adrenal goes, is there a crisis here? Now, of course, for you, this number on the scale is a crisis. The adrenal, not knowing if it's a weight issue or a saber-toothed tiger is going to release cortisol. And cortisol is your anti-inflammatory hormone released by the adrenal, but it creates weight loss resistance. So now you've got the brain, the hormones, the adrenal, and, and the mm -hmm. toxins really stopping effective when, and I'm going to go to say fat loss. I don't even want to say weight loss because we don't want to lose muscle in yeah. the process. We want to lose extra water, like that swollen water, inflammatory water. And we want to lose fat when we're yeah. doing this. I mean, it kind of, you know, the way you've just described it, you've, you've kind of just described, you, you answered one of my questions. I was going to talk about, um, you know, the different mechanisms of action of how toxins actually affect your body, but you actually just went over quite a few of them there. Um, but in a way, even though our body is designed to kind of help us, it, it must feel like your body is against you because all of the things you just listed, it just it points towards weight gain, weight gain. And it's like, there's nothing you can like, it's, it's, you're just like, where do I turn? What do I do? And your hormones are against you in quotes and your nervous system is against you. And um, so it's, it's a really tough spot to be in. Um, when it comes to toxins, just so that the audience know what they actually are, um, and what we're actually speaking about here. Now, it's quite a, um, for me personally, it's quite a, it's a heavy topic because toxins are everywhere. Um, they're in our food, but now they're in our environment and they're just, they're pretty much everywhere. And, you know, it's, it's heavy for someone to think, okay, so how do I avoid these toxins? So it's a heavy topic, but where do we find toxins? Like what are the toxins, uh, the, the classic ones, and you know, where do we usually find them? Great question. And I agree with you wholeheartedly. Before I go down this route, yeah. I want you to know it's going to sound depressing right. and 
sound like there's nothing you can do about <laughs> That's it. That's right. Yeah. Um, so this is the disclaimer that yeah. there is light at the end of this tunnel. It's Just a no. stay yes. with us. Yeah. <laughs> so number one, we talked about our food supply. Our goal would be to try to eat organic whenever possible. Now I will tell you that is difficult for a majority of the population because organic in many areas is expensive. Mm -hmm. um, so you could go to the environmental working group. Um, here in the U.S., we have this uh, list of the most toxic, dirty foods, the dirty dozen, mm -hmm. and they change from time to time. And so if you had to pick which things to try to go organic, you might want to prioritize those foods or avoid them. Come up with less. There's kind of like a clean 14 and a dirty dozen. The numbers change every now and then. But look to the foods that are cleaner. If not, there are methods that you can look into that help you clean produce so that they have less toxins on them. The goal in this whole discussion is not zero toxins. It's less toxins. Zero toxins is impossible. Yeah. You weren't designed to live in a place that had zero toxins. Your body is there to help you. You just need to reduce the burden so that your natural liver, colon, kidney, and sweat can get rid of it. Okay. So food is number one. The next big category to me is personal hygiene products. Mm. Okay. We very, very much by our choice and we don't realize it, put a ton of chemicals in our hair, on our skin, in our mouth, on our, on our face with our makeup, um, perfumes, look at those things and one by one start to find a more natural option. <clears throat> you can start with your laundry detergent. You can find things that are more eco-friendly. Um, apple, apple cider vinegar, excuse me, distilled white vinegar, lemon juice, baking soda can go a long way for cleaning things. And that could make a big difference in reducing your total burden. Uh, perfumes. I tend to use essential oils mm -hmm. and there's many companies that make essential oil based things. Makeup. Find things that use more natural ingredients. Will there be some chemical in one of your lipsticks? Probably. Mm -hmm. Could it be the lipstick that has only one ingredient versus 17? Yes. Yeah. So make a conscious choice on your personal hygiene products. Sorry, then, Michelle, I just yeah. need to cut in there. Um, uh, when when I feel overburdened, or when um, you know, when I'm explaining this to my clients as well, um, I find that the best thing to do is to just pick the one thing or the two things that you use the most, and just start with that. That's a really great place to start. So, for example, um, with myself. Um, I started with toothpaste. So now my toothpaste is supernatural. Um, even sometimes I'll just revert to using some, some coconut oil and I'll just kind of brush my teeth with that. Just, you know, if I'm just feeling it, but usually my toothpaste is super clean and I'm willing to spend the extra money on that. Um, and then, um, you know, makeup products and deodorant. Deodorant is a big one. Um, you know, something that you wear every single day. If you can just swap it out with something that's cleaner, then, you know, you've already made a huge difference to your daily routine. Yeah. I just wanted to add that. Yes. And on that deodorant, let me just mm. give a quick little hack. Yeah. You want to avoid deodorants that are antiperspirants. Yes. Because that aluminum hydroxide, first of all, aluminum is, aluminum is a metal that you don't want in your system, but it stops sweating. Mm -hmm. And although you don't want to sweat in one way, 
you know that sweating is one of the main ways you get rid of toxins. So you can find things that are deodorants, but that still allow you to perspire, Um, you know, wear different clothing. I'm in Florida, so I surely feel the pain of sweaters and I'm about to go likely into menopause here in the next few years. So I'm, I understand if that is some of the triggers, but that's a daily thing. Just like Tam said that, you know, that's a double whammy. It's a toxin in and stopping toxins from coming out. So yeah, incremental changes. I think laundry detergent is another big one. And I think your household cleaners just switching to things like we clean our floors with just water and vinegar. That's it. You know, we stopped bringing, oh, here's another simple tip. If you're open to it, stop wearing shoes in your house. The reason why this is a very Eastern way of culture, but there are micro particles of heavy metals and toxins that are on the ground. When you're walking with your shoes, you're bringing them into the house, onto the rug, you know, onto your furniture, and then you and your pets and your children are laying down on these things, you can dramatically reduce kind of the the toxic burden of your house by just leaving your shoes at the door. Wow, that is a good hack. Yeah, anybody who wears shoes or, you know, even their slippers kind of outside, inside. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a good tip. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say if I had to pick those three categories, it's food, personal hygiene, and household cleaning. Now, Could you, obviously, if you're living um, in an area that has pollution, what can you do to improve filtration in your home? You know, the obvious is still there about avoiding living or working in places that have a high level of pollution, but I find those to be harder to modify. So I'm picking the ones that you have a lot more control over. the, The other one I would say, I have to remember that this is obvious to me, but may not be because we just so much, so many of us are just a byproduct of what we've been trained to think by society. So the other thing is clean water. Mm. Uh, Water is 60 to 70% of your body. And you want to make sure you have a clean water supply. I personally use a reverse osmosis water system, but there's a lot of water filtration systems that exist. um, If you wanted to get a pitcher or something that you attach to the faucet in your kitchen. If you're really sensitive, you can attach it to the one on your shower head, because that's another time where you're getting a lot of skin exposure to the chlorine or toxins that may be in your specific city water supply or well water. Yeah. So basically anybody listening to this, you've had a whole list there of where you can find toxins. So just pick the thing or the things that are easiest to change first and just think about it. Think about making some healthy switches. So when it comes to somebody who's thinking, okay, so we're talking about detox, uh, we're talking about toxic burden, toxins, you know, I'm overweight, um, you know, how does someone know that they have a buildup of toxins? What sort of symptoms do they have? Do we, so we all have some sort of buildup, but how do we know that we need to detoxify? Yeah, yeah um, here's kind of the group of people that are the most obvious to me. Um, Number one, if you're the person who gets all the side effects, whenever you take a prescription, uh, like you're very sensitive Mm. to prescriptions, you likely have too much garbage. Um, Number two, if you walk by a perfume store and you get a headache or, 
Yeah. Or let's say that you're, um, you're near somebody who's cleaning a house with bleach that bothers you, like whether that's a mild headache or uh, you just feel like this wave of yuck, malaise. Mm-hmm. Uh, that might be a sign that you got a toxic burden because things like perfumes and paint fumes and inks and solvents, um, these kinds of things are fat soluble toxins. So they enter into you and they literally kind of your, your liver is like, I'm sorry, Charlie, we are full here. And so the toxins like, well, what am I going to do? I might as well go roam the streets. And then one of the most common places they like to go is the brain. And you'll have this immediate brain symptom, headache, malaise, nausea, weird, not like dramatically difference in vision, but people just feel kind of swimmy maybe would be another word. So if you're kind of sensitive to chemicals, that's likely a sign that your garbage cans, i.e. your liver, is full and needs a a full functional medicine detoxification uh, support. Now that could be supplements. It could also be lifestyle things like far infrared sauna and sweating, eating um, brassica and cruciferous vegetables, but I'm sorry, I'm going off track back to the symptoms. Um, That's kind of the people who I automatically know are what we call multiple chemical sensitivity patients likely to be full of toxins. Weight loss resistance could be a sign of too many toxins. Um, brain symptoms, brain fog, decreased concentration, mental health issues, uh, like being clumsy. Um, these could be a sign that toxins have built up in your brain. The other thing that is a representation of toxins building up is actually what we call cardiometabolic risk factors, things like blood sugar problems, blood pressure, blood cholesterol problems. Cause when toxins build up in fat, they build up and create inflammation and inflammation is what drives the sugar, cholesterol and blood pressure issues. Uh, Hormone, like wacky hormone symptoms could be another way somebody manifests too many toxins. Um, If you are not a good pooper, Mm. you likely have toxic chemical backup because you need a good elimination track and liver loves to send to colon. So if colon is backed up, liver can be doing all the right things, but then it gets to the colon and the colon says, sorry, Charlie, we're not, we're not having a bowel movement for another few days here. And then the, then what happens is the toxins actually get reabsorbed back into circulation. So those are kind of the people I would say to look out for. And I I suppose skin goes into that list as well. If someone has bad bad skin and that's a great that's yeah. a great one yeah like um difficult difficult to control skin issues mm. could be a sign of impaired detoxification many of my autoimmune patients have uh detoxification impairments as well i mean listening to this list it feels like pretty much most of us could do with a detoxification program oh. like it just makes sense though, doesn't it? Because we're surrounded by toxins and, you know, over our lifetime, we're just building them up, building them up. So it makes sense that the majority of us could do with um, some sort of awareness of how to detox, to enhance our detoxification systems and to maybe um, embark on a program of some sort, just to kind of, you know, make sure that it's done um, properly and done the right way. So when it comes to, so just to kind of give a brief overview of what um, you've discussed. So we have toxins in our food, in our environment, in our skincare, hair care products, house products, and um, a lot of them 
are fat soluble so that they're the ones that um, come out in your poop but if you're not pooping then obviously they get backed up and they can get stored in your body um, so when it comes to weight gain um, obviously they like to hide in your fat so um, if you have gained weight and you're finding it difficult to lose or you're yo-yo dieting then um, by reducing your toxic load that could be a really great way to help you on your kind of weight loss journey um, so when it comes to actually doing that um so detoxifying now can you just explain that term because obviously um our bodies know how to detox you know it's kind of built to do that um but what is it what, what is detoxification um with regards to like a detoxification program or because when we think about detox we think about juices and we think about fasts and you know all of these kind of trendy detoxification cleanses, cleanses yeah yeah um, term right so um how how do they i mean they're the common misconceptions what is a proper detoxification um process and and what are the mechanisms like how does it work yeah very good question um, so let's do a little bit of a science lesson to make sure that we understand what a complete detoxification regimen was intended to be. And we're going to take our cue from original design. So whether you believe in God or nature, original design has a balance of garbage coming in should be less than garbage exiting, right? That's how you keep a clean home. If you imagine the garbage you bring in should be less than the amount of garbage you put out. Otherwise you would be on one of those shows that they have to have an intervention with your house. <laughs> no. So number one, we want to reduce the incoming garbage like we've just discussed. As a part of a good detoxification regimen, you can't continue to live a dirty lifestyle and then think that you can remove enough. You have to mitigate the garbage coming in. So now let's talk about part two, which is increasing the garbage leaving. So we talked about the three main organs. We've got your colon, your kidney, and your skin. So you poop, pee, or sweat it out. So when it comes to kidney and sweat, a big portion of that is hydrating well, hydrating and moving. In order, um, our physical body as part of original design was meant to move in all different directions. That absolutely helps the colon get literally milked. And when you milk the colon, it makes it easier to remove uh, and excrete. And notice the language I'm using. Colon, kidney, and skin are elimination organs. Mm -hmm. The liver and the kidney. So the kidney is a two for one special. The liver and the kidney are detoxification organs. So they take toxins and put them in forms to be eliminated. A good detoxification program reduces garbage in, optimizes the two detoxification organs, liver and kidney, and optimizes the three elimination pathways. And you can imagine if you're not doing all of those things, which happen to be one, two, three, right? If, if you don't do all those things, you're going to get traffic jams, if you will. Like if you do everything to support the liver, but you don't if you're not going to the bathroom um, pooping, well, then you have a traffic jam. Right. If you do everything to support your kidney, but you don't drink enough water, how will you pee it out? So you must, comp you always have to make sure your elimination holes, if you will, are working well, so that when you start revving up your detoxification organs, there's an appropriate 
pathway for them to be removed from your body. So kidney, I think a majority of it is, is not taking um, prescriptions and or over-the-counter uh, medicines that interrupt the kidneys function, obviously controlling your blood pressure and um, blood sugar will help that kidney so we can remove toxins. The biggest culprit for most of us is the liver. Mm -hmm. That's the one who lags behind. And so the liver needs very specific ingredients to make its specialized trash bags is what I say. These specialized trash bags take a fat soluble toxin and they wrap it up in this trash bag so that it can be removed through the colon, the kidney, and the skin. So those trash bags come from nutrients, which you can get from a very healthy, well-balanced diet. And that's like five to nine servings of fruits and veggies that are cleaner and or dietary supplements that have concentrated forms of the nutrients that you would get from those food sources. So... When we do a full detoxification program, we must support the liver only after we've made sure the person is eliminating through the colon well, and we always support with good water. Things you can do from a dietary standpoint to support the liver is to eat one serving of these cruciferous or brassica veggies. These are the smelly ones. These are broccoli and cabbage and Brussels sprouts and cauliflower bok choy they have all the smelly ones you're right I've never made that link before yeah (laughs) they're called they have glucosinolates in them sulfur containing compounds that are really good to make those specialized trash bags Mm -hmm. um far infrared sauna is another great uh way to amplify detoxification and elimination Mm -hmm. but I'm gonna have to tell you that with the amount of garbage that most of us get in Taking dietary supplements is common for most people on the front end of their detoxification program. And then the goal is to whittle that down to match your garbage coming in so that you have a nice balance. In fact, you might've seen me like drinking my little shake here. And this is what we call a functional food. It has a lot of nutrients in here because I'm just not able to stop all garbage coming in. So I have nutrients in my little smoothie here that provide the things that I know I'm going to need to get the garbage out for the day. Well, I suppose um, we're going down this road now. So we're going into the details of how to um, help your body detoxify most efficiently. So I presume just to kind of backtrack a little bit, um, I presume going on a juice cleanse or um, one of these other sort of cleanses, it's not going to quite do the trick um, because it doesn't address those three stages that you spoke of. In my opinion, and also some of these juice cleanses are very high in sugar Mm. and sugar triggers inflammation. So they're great in one sense because they're reducing garbage in from, you know, you're not eating pizza and burgers and hot dogs. Um, So you're eating mostly plant-based nutrients. But when you take all the fiber out, you really increase the glycemic index, which creates inflammation, which creates another source of garbage. So I don't think they're wrong. I just don't think they're yes. the best choices. Right, um, right. And they, I they, think- they serve one, they serve a purpose, but yeah. if you're speaking of detoxification, um, it's not the best way to go. Like there are other ways to it's go. It's not complete enough. Yeah, it's, in not my complete. it's not complete. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so when it comes to detoxing then, what are the key foods that first of all, people should be avoiding? 
well, let's just say, what are the uh, food-like substances? Food-like is what substances, yeah. Want to like, right, right. Let's just create this awareness that yes. perhaps a lot of the things you're currently eating are not even really food. Mm. They are man-made substances that you have just been acculturated to think are food. If your great-great-great-grandmother would not recognize it, it likely isn't food. Mm. Like if I were to have my great-great-grandmother, like if I gave her this thing in a wrapper, she would not understand what it is. And could she bake a cookie? Yeah, but she would do it with whole foods. Yes. Right? Right. So it's not that it's the cookie. It's just what gets processed and all the preservatives and all that. That makes it food-like. Whereas a homemade cookie with scratch ingredients is more like food. Now I'm not, I'm using cookie as an example. I don't know why that's the first one that came to my head. Um, but it's, it just begs the point that a lot of the things that you're eating aren't even food. Hmm. So basically processed foods are out like, um, you know, the well, food reduce. it's just reduce. like toxins. Yeah. It's hard, even healthy crackers. You know, if you're going to get a, a, a processed food, find the ones with the ingredients that you understand as hmm. food. Right. So there may be, you know, there's a whole row of crackers in most supermarkets, but you might be able to find the one that has like real ingredients. Yeah. I think it becomes difficult for most people to be normal in society if they don't partake in some degree of processed foods. But you want to try to avoid the ones that have chemicals in them as much as possible. And I'm going to just say this as an aside you will potentially lose some friends over this, okay? There's a social impact to becoming healthy. I remember um, when I was going through this and I was learning all this and I was making my attempts to eat healthier food, some of the biggest obstacles to my change were my friends Mm -hmm. and I love them, but they would question what I was doing. They would tease me in a sweet way, but kind of teasing Um, sometimes I felt guilty, not because they did it to me, but I felt guilty not serving something that they would enjoy. Or if we went out to eat, I felt sometimes awkward, you know, saying I will have a sparkling water with bitters instead of partaking in wine with everybody, because I was just trying to reduce my toxic load at that, you know, particular moment. So So how did you overcome that? Because that's quite a challenge. How did you overcome that? Because I can imagine other people will be feeling the same. I tried to educate my friends and my social groups on what my goals were if I knew them well enough and I cared to explain. For many people, like when I ordered sparkling water and bitters, it made them feel okay that I was ordering a drink Mm. because sometimes this makes other people who are drinking feel awkward or you know, if you order the salmon with veggies, hold the rice, the person who's ordering the tiramisu and the steak with the hollandaise sauce, all of a sudden has an awkwardness. There's yes. an awkwardness. Yeah. I, so I've been there as I, well with, yeah. with certain people. So, yeah. So I just kind of take it as like, Hey, I'm just working on something to improve some of my health. I don't make it like Uh, evangelical. I don't make it like everybody has to do what I'm doing. Some people become curious and ask, and then I'll kind of take a step forward towards their direction. Mm -hmm. I I will tell you, I made a mistake on the front end because sometimes people are curious and I went four steps in and it was too much for what they were ready for. 
Um, So just know that as you're making these changes, there will be a potential social impact. There will be certain places that you've been going out to eat that you don't eat as frequently or your menu options at the place you like to eat, you know, become limited. But as you start seeing the actual benefits, you know, like I've gotten rid of five diseases. I was at 32, I had five diseases. And at 50, I just turned 50, I have zero. Hmm. Zero meaning none of them are active. You know, I still keep them under wraps because I follow original design. I'm constantly thinking, okay, what's my toxic burden? And I'll tell you, I'll go to a fast food place if I'm on a road trip. Every now and then I will have a taco and break down. So I don't want you to think that I'm like some perfection who never eats a processed food in my life. I just make sure I clean it up every day. Yeah. And you're just reducing. It's, you haven't cut it out. You're just reducing. Um, so you mentioned, um, obviously, foods that have lots of ingredients you don't understand. Um, try to reduce those as much as possible. But are there any foods, so not food-like substances, but are there any foods that you think um, don't help with detoxification? Or are all foods absolutely fine? Are particularly harder on the liver? Um Yeah. Well, alcohol is obviously one of them. Sugary drinks. I'm going to say that out loud because some people don't think of sugary drinks as toxic, but they are food-like, they're drink-like substances, I should (laughs) say. Uh, They're not food-like, but that's a big saboteur. Um, You know, when it comes to like the macros of protein, fat, and carbs, carbohydrate, all the macros, there's good versions and unhealthy versions. So I don't think any of the macros is bad for you. The question is, is amongst protein, what's the cleanest protein? So you saw that I picked salmon. Um, I would probably pick organic chicken, grass-fed beef, if you're going to have that. And then in the fat category, you know, I would stick with uh, like plant-based fats if I can, and then use these in the proportion based on my other cardiometabolic risk factors. So not like overzealous with these fats because the calories add up as well too on fats. Yeah. Yeah. When it comes to carbs, I lean heavier on fruits and vegetables, vegetables, even more than fruits. So like a two to one ratio, Mm -hmm. two parts, vegetables to one part fruit. And then the fruit, if you can keep it to fruit that grows in temperate zones, things like pears and apples and berries versus tropical fruits, things that grow in tropical climates because they tend to have colored sugar. Mm. Yeah, because sugar, whether it's natural, like mangoes or um, orange juice, that's natural. Sugar will spike insulin and insulin and or sugar can definitely blunt the liver's ability to detoxify. And it does it by having that sugar turn into fat that literally clogs the liver. And that's this is a new epidemic. Um, it used to be called non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. Mm. And now we're making it um, more specifically called metabolic associated steatotic liver dysfunction. Anyway, all that to say, it's your blood sugar and insulin that you're spiking from your diet or your drink, and it's creating excess fat because it's got to do something with that sugar. It turns it into fat. 
And when that circulates in the body, it clogs up the liver. And then the liver, it's kind of like a greasy sponge. If you've ever had a greasy sponge that you try to clean a greasy pan with, it doesn't work very well. So the liver is like a, a sponge that's cleaning up your blood. So if it gets cloggy with bad fats and bad sugars, it doesn't detoxify well. Does that help? That helps a lot. Yeah. Um, And just to complete the picture, you've mentioned um, the foods that we should be eating and some lifestyle practices as well. You've mentioned exercise, sauna. Um, But can I just ask you about supplements? Um, Just which ones you recommend? Now, I know that is highly personalized, but are there any that you can say that are generally safe for most people to enhance their um, detoxification? Yes. Um, I would say if I had to pick number one, I think vitamin D three K two is essential for the entire body to work well, including the liver, because it's so essential for blood sugar regulation. So notice I say vitamin D three with K two, that's a whole nother program for you, but that, that is a nuance that I'm saying specifically, um, The other thing that is helpful for the liver is zinc. Mm. Zinc for, and I'll be using US dosing. So uh, 20 to 25 milligrams a day total for women and closer to 40 to 50 milligrams per day for men. Mm -hmm. So zinc is super essential for the liver to work. Then you have a vast amount of just micronutrients. These are like kind of your standard things that you get from a salad multivitamin, multimineral. They're necessary for the liver to be energized to be able to detoxify. Mm -hmm. So your liver needs energy to detoxify. So make sure you get those kinds of multivitamin, multimineral. And then there's another group of what we call phytonutrients, which are like plant-based herbs and botanicals that accentuate and accelerate and support the liver in getting things removed. These are the things I was talking about, like the glucosinolates, um, the rosemary is another ingredient. Milk thistle is another one. So in functional medicine, we work on making things easier to do. And if you had to pop 17 pills, like here's my vitamin A and here's my B1 and B2 and here's my B3, you would have another whole gastric distress issue from swallowing capsules three times a day. So um, most functional medicine, uh, nutritional therapists and coaches and providers have blends that are liver support blends that we incorporate in to our detoxification processes. Right. Okay. So Um, that's fab. I I feel like we've had um, so many great tips when it comes to getting started on a detoxification journey. Um, Is there anything that you think um, you want to add with relation to weight loss and detoxification? Any kind of main points that you want to leave people with who are ready to start? Yeah, I would highly recommend that you look for a functional medicine provider in your area to support you if you want to do a real 
um, effective and potent detoxification program. You can absolutely whittle away at your toxic burden slowly but surely. And it may take months to years to do it kind of through lifestyle and some basic supplements. But our functional medicine training gives us the ability to, in five weeks or so, make a major leap forward. And when we do that, a lot of people feel not only physically better, but they feel psychologically better. And then that kind of is the catalyst for taking on new lifestyle behaviors. So absolutely you can do it alone, but if you're really you know, dealing with some significant health issues or an annoying one that just doesn't go away, I would get a trained professional involved to help you so you can do this wisely and safely. And what are the best ways that people can look you up after this conversation? Uh, you could go to forumhealthtampa.com. And on that website, we also offer a lot of other education opportunities to complement what Tam's doing as well. So you can absolutely come to see us. We'd love to be able to take care of you, or we have many locations throughout the U.S., um, and we have weight loss programs as well that take into account the need for detoxification and some of the latest and greatest weight loss uh, protocols that are available. Brilliant. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Shelfer. That was fantastic. And um, I feel like I got so much out of the conversation. I know that my audience did. So um, that is exactly why I wanted to chat to you on this podcast. So thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. You're so welcome. And thank you for all the good work you're doing and sharing this information to more people. I'm Tamara Walpole, and you've been listening to Your Body's Way. If you haven't already, please subscribe, share, rate, and review this podcast. You can find me on Instagram as Tamara Walpole Nutrition. Join me next time for some more juicy information on how to help you on your journey to your best self yet. Your body's way is the only way. Chat soon.